Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. As a reminder, <laughs> Act 2 is a network. We're good. We got this. And a support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of the cool things we do. Mm-hmm. Like, we just set up our uh, Act 2 writers with a financial advisor just to just have that as a thing for writers to check in on. And that's part of the network group and community of writing. Anyways, thank you for joining us here. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I saw that email and I was like, Tasha just has her shit together. (laughs) The illusion is complete. (laughs) Wow. This is crazy. Um, You can write a comment, rate us on the podcast thing that you listen to, whatever, whatever, uh, platform you do so or you can dm us with questions and topic suggestions you can reach out to us at act two writers at gmail.com which is all spelled out or on our instagram and twitter at act two writers and i am on instagram at story thursday and twitter at tasha 3.0 and i am on instagram it's josh hallman joshua hallman on twitter this week in writing i have some I have i have a lot but i'm all i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it down yeah this, i have a lot the as whole well. episode there's a lot of things that happen to me throughout the week, and I and my brain immediately goes to, oh my God, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> like the other day I watched Time Cop, and I loved oh, it. Oh, I love that movie. Super underrated, but I was like, oh my God, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. And then 15 minutes later, I was like, why am I talking about this on the podcast? <laughs> just because I like a movie? <laughs> but It's so, it's just, it's a time travel movie that really works. It holds up. It really does. Does it? Uh Parts of it hold up, okay, but okay. I I will say I wish like karate movies were back. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that. And we need yeah. a new karate star. Like if The Rock could do karate. Oh man! Oh. Why don't we have any like JCVDs anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write a, a karate movie. Yeah, I mean at a time. There was movies like Three Ninjas, Sidekicks. Oh, Those Three were Ninjas for kids. Oh, so God. And they were hit, we hit the Seagal and then the JCBG. Yeah. And then those yeah. just went away. Like karate yeah. stopped being cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, this week in writing. This is actually an important one. When it happened, I messaged you. I clocked it. And, and so I have to talk about it. Hmm. I'm working on a script right now. And I needed an update. And I have a pretty close relationship with the producers. Why I say that is because throughout the course of this script that I've been working on, I've kind of just been directly communicating with the producers as opposed to the producers communicating through my reps, reps communicating through me. It's just been Mm -hmm. myself and producers one-on-one. We have a great relationship and everything. So I needed some updates. Somewhere along the lines, people got busy, some some things kind of fell between the cracks and I just wasn't getting the, the, the proper update that I was, I was looking for. So I ended up giving uh, her a call. So I'm like, I call these producers. And basically when I went into this call, I approached the call as though I wasn't even talking about my own script. And I mentally, I was like, all right, I have to set the tone of this call and just be like, Mm -hmm. Hey, what's going on with this script? What's the next steps? What's the progress? And I kind of completely shifted the way that I would normally talk about something as opposed to me saying, hi, I'm just calling to talk about my script and where are we and this and that. I, I, was mm. too, I went in very aggressive, probably yeah. a little more aggressive than I have before. 
and it worked. And it just made me think about like the different hats you have to wear sometimes as a writer and just having certain calls with certain producers or reps or whatever it is. Like, I don't know. It just got me thinking like a lot of times you're more than just a screenwriter. Yeah. You have to kind of come in and be a manager at some points or producer at some points, even though you're technically not. Yeah. Did that make sense? It does make sense. And I think the more and more you work in the business, the more you realize that to have more control over your screenplay, but also I think more importantly, your career so -hmm. that it's growing in a steady way is to do to have these kinds of phone calls and to be able to wear different hats and take a little bit more initiative. But it's tough. It's a tough line because I remember my advice to you in the moment was go through your manager. If you're for me, because my the, the way I do it, especially for features, when you're show running, it's totally different. You have to do everything yourself. And my managers, my my reps have not been involved in any conversations I've had regarding Tomb Raider ever. Mm -hmm. Um, except when they were doing the deal. But for features, I tend to rely on my reps if I have to have any other conversation beside creative. But but I'm also not a producer on any of my own scripts. If I were a producer, then I feel like I would have the authority to do that. But that's not to say that your approach is wrong. I just don't have the ovaries to do that yet, I guess, or just don't feel (laughs) like I have those relationships yet. To be honest, it was I was too far down the road in my personal relationship with this group of producers. You know, like we hit it off in a really great way. And so a lot of our phone calls, we would just we'd talk for a little bit, we'd shoot the shit, we'd get into notes, and it just wasn't as formal as past mm-hmm. relationships. So my point being is that this was a unique situation. Yeah, I mean, I guess so on Red Sonia, for instance, I I really like the producer that's on it and we shoot the shit on other things besides just work. And I do feel like I can reach out to him and say, Hey, where are we with Red Sonia? Cool. Just, just checking in to get an update and that that's an okay phone call to make. But there are other projects where that, as you're saying, like that relationship hasn't been built properly. Yeah. Um, where I think, and if the relationship hasn't been built properly yet, then that kind of phone call from the screenwriter could come off as aggressive yeah. and abrasive and like stay in your lane. So the goal is to eventually work up to the point where you you have these relationships where you can take the initiative without relying on anyone else. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to say about this is I agree. You have to stay in your lane, but like, I just hate that there's lanes. Yeah. You're a screenwriter. You just wrote something. Yeah. I'm the road. This there's not one lane. There's there's like we should all be kind of having this similar conversation of how we can help each other. I'm the road. I <laughs> not, love that. Not at a lane. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> oh man, quote of the day. Wow, you, the look you were like. <laughs> you just. I was processing, and then I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not just me, any screenwriter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that up somewhere, like in front of me on my wall. I am the road, Josh yeah. Holman. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, what's your This Week in Writing? Okay, so I went to a showrunner training program that was offered by the WGA. And for any of you who are in the WGA, go to it. It's incredibly insightful and helpful and amazing. And the one I went to was not their extended one, which I think they they do a longer, like, six-week program. This was just a week, uh, a Saturday, actually. And it was all virtual. So there were, like, 700 people 
in this virtual training program. And it was awesome. And they talked about the process of hiring writers, firing writers, working with writers as part of the job. And then they also discussed the production side of the job. And my This Week in Writing is something that was a bit unexpected. The two showrunners presenting about the writing part of things, they said that more and more they are starting to look at TV spec scripts as samples from writers, which I found really interesting because um, we have talked many times about this on this podcast about how those are kind of a waste of time because people mm. aren't reading TV spec scripts as samples anymore, which they were when you and I were coming up in the business. So a TV spec script is if like for me, I wrote an episode of The Walking Dead and I just I'd caught up on Walking Dead and I just wrote what I thought would be a really fun, cool next episode. And the point is that you are writing in someone else's characters, you're writing in their format you have mm-hmm. their pacing and you're progressing someone else's show forward and showing a great deal of writing skill. That's the point of a TV spec script. But more and more people started saying, hey, we want original samples instead of TV spec scripts. So now these showrunners in 2022 are saying, actually, we're kind of going back to that because what's helpful about that is it shows that the writer can write in the showrunner's voice rather than just pasting their own voice into someone else's show because mm. if you're if you get hired to write walking dead josh you're not gonna be able to write a joshian episode i mean mm-hmm. you can have like an action-packed episode you can maybe like gravitate towards that but you, you you can't have your voice in it it has to be the voice of the walking dead which of course makes sense that's what you're hired for yeah and especially as you and i have been talking recently about how showrunners have to rewrite their writers so often. The reason why these showrunners in this training program really advocate for the TV spec script as the sample they want to see is because it tells them that I'm not going to have to do that much work if I hire this writer because they have the ability to write in someone else's voice, therefore probably in my voice, which means I won't have to rewrite them down the line. And I think another layer of that is when you read original scripts from someone as their writing sample to hire them for a TV job, you have no idea how long it took them to write this original script. It could be like my sample right now that's a pilot. It took me two years to get it into the place that it currently is. And I send it out as a sample. Does that mean that I could write to that quality in the one to two weeks I would have to write it if I was on a TV schedule? No, it took me two years. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I think so. So that's just something interesting to pay attention to. And if you are very avidly going out for TV jobs and you already have your original pilot script that you're sending as a sample, maybe consider also doing a spec script. And I think part of what has made this change is the nature of television now and just how how incredible the storytelling has become. So yeah. you can really stretch your writing muscles while also staying in the lane of the of the showrunner of that show. So uh, just something to think about that I thought was really interesting. It's kind of turning back to how it used to be a little bit. Yeah, I like that. I think there was recently on Twitter, I saw it was called the stunt list. Mm-hmm. And it was a list of uh, scripts written by people for other shows that could just never be made. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's coming back. Maybe it's back. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep tabs on that for sure. My next, my next this week in writing. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe we just end the podcast right now because I'm about to talk about Maverick. Not a spoiler. 
because we're we're recording this before it comes out. Right before it comes out. out. I or it comes out tonight. I am so excited for Maverick. Yeah. I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> I feel like this guy is just amazing. I love him. I don't care who knows. I love Tom Cruise movies. (laughs) I can't wait to see him run. I can't wait to see him fly. Do you think he's going to run in Maverick? What kind of question is that? Well, he didn't run run something. He's running. But now he's a runner. And Top Gun. Yeah, he's going to run. He's going to run. I got worked up just now. (laughs) Just sweating. <laughs> you better run. <laughs> but um I'm just excited for Maverick. I just I just was watching like a Tom Cruise interview and it like there's just not any other Tom Cruises and mm-hmm. we are moving out of the realm of or we've moved out of the realm of uh, movie star, but to me there's still Tom Cruise. And yeah, I love that. Classic. He'll be around forever because he drinks vampire blood. Oh my god, I hope so. Yeah. Me too. I just, I just loved it. I just, I just can't wait for this movie. Anyway, we're going to talk all about that when, um, after it comes out. Okay. I'm like, I feel like we should just have a, a Maverick episode. Yeah. We're just, we're just going to just break it. It just, yeah. Cause I'm going to see it like five times before the next time we record and then just, we'll just break it down. <laughs> Let me, ask, I'm going to ask you a serious question. Okay. Okay. Do you think you're going to cry in yes. Maverick? The end. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm it, gonna cry as soon as the because they're gonna have the t- original Top Gun music when the credits come up. I just know they are, and I'm just gonna start weeping. Oh, okay. I wonder if we should take like a guess of like the over and under of how many times you cry throughout Maverick. So it's guaranteed. I th- I think it's gonna be. I think you're gonna cry two times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Not like like beginning and end, or is this like an act two cry? I think it's a. I think it's an act two cry. Then I, I say three times. Yeah, the end. Getting middle end. Weeping. All right. I think I'm gonna have one cry. I'm gonna have what a. This is volleyball scene. Fuck it. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a. This is awesome cry. Oh, like during a dog fight. Yeah, I almost had that in the last Bond. There was a there was a fight mm. going on, and I was like, Wait, "Which fight so made cool. you cry?" I'm crying right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> which fight made you cry in Bond? I think it was just the beginning, and I just love James Bond movies. Yeah. And it was whatever the first major action. Oh, it was the car the car sequence, like the where he was he spun around and then he let off the guns and everything. Yeah. And and I was like, "This is the coolest shit ever." This and is so beautiful. Not only do I want to write this, but I want to be this. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what I want more. Do I want to write a Bond movie or be James Bond? I can't figure it out. Oh, man. I love that those are equal. That tells us a lot about you. Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway. Okay. My last this week in writing is uh, a video that was posted on ScreenCraft's Instagram, which I love personally. <laughs> ScreenCraft doesn't pay me to say that, unfortunately. Yeah, we've but... had a lot of ScreenCraft. <laughs> yeah, content. I know. I know. I follow them and I love them because they post a lot of just really great um, little tidbits from different filmmakers. And this was a quote from Mark Duplass that is something that Josh and I are very in favor of and we talk a lot about. So I'm just, can I just do the quote? Can I just say? Because mm-hmm. it was great. Okay. 
Mark Duplass said, involving your friends and peers in every way, shape, and form in the process to take the voice off of you for this is no good and put it into them and let them help you. You'll stop beating yourself up as much as everyone else is voicing and helping you guide this thing. People don't do that enough, he said. I find a lot of people get caught up in this auteur bullshit of like, this is my vision and I'm making it my way. And it's just like, no, making a movie is impossible. You need help. You need people you know and love and trust to help you guide this stuff. So a community will really help you with that, end quote. And I gave the whole thing because it's just, he's so right. Like if someone like Mark Duplass is getting his friends and his whoever his writing peers and writers group is in on his ideas and shaping them very early guess what that's the best way to get things done and you and i when we've when we broke down lethal weapon and we started yeah. talking about shane black's process because before we got into lethal weapon we we're like oh my god shane black is a singular genius for having written this movie only to realize as we did some more research about it that he he did this he talked to a lot of people he he brought in other writers to help him or other producers to like help him come up with better ideas until it became the lethal weapon we know and love today so yeah community big fan I love it. it. It's so true. You know, like I always talk to you guys, you know, I'll message you, I'll message Dave and I'm like, Hey, this is an idea, yada, yada, yada. And it, it takes a minute to get there because you're kind of vulnerable and you're just mm-hmm. like, I have this shell of an idea. And what is it? This just happened with us. I was just talking to you about an idea, which you're going to produce by the way. And I was just <laughs> talking to you about, it. I was like, I kind of like this and there's something there. But I, I was, even then I was like, this is a crazy idea, but there's some very specific reasons that I need to write it. And Without the support, it, you, it's just, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's really so hard. hard not to have it's the so hard beyond like parents or something. Yeah. And also because when we bounce ideas off of each other, that's when we come up with the best idea. I've never come up with like the best idea by myself. It's usually like, hey, here's a seed of what I'm looking for. Yeah. What do you guys think? And you're like, oh, well, what about if this happens? Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Now that brings me to the new better idea. Mm-hmm. So just... Just don't don't feel so precious, I think, is is the lesson totally. there about 100 percent. That's all. I love it. Segway. Big segue. Big topic. What are we talking about? Go, Tasha. <laughs> We're talking about ideas to conception. How do yep. you as a writer have an idea, that thing where you're like at a coffee shop and as you're walking out, you're like, oh, that would be a great idea. I write it into my phone and then tomorrow I have to figure out if this is actually a movie or not. Like just we're talking about that process and what Josh and I do, which I'm sure is very different um, and, and how it works out for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I love that moment when you first have the idea, it feels like it's genius. It's the best. It's like This is it. I love this idea. And then, yeah, you take like 24 hours and eh, some doubt creeps in. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how they, our ideas come to us how we flesh them out a bit. Is that right? Yeah. Walk through our process. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to start? I do. Because here's the thing. You are an idea machine. I feel like every day there's a new text from you being like, what about this? And it's like, yeah, that's just genius. That's a great concept. And I have, I can count on one hand how many times I've actually written and executed an idea I've had. I have hundreds of ideas, but one hand I can count how many times I've actually put them into a finished screenplay. Well, that's, that's, that's all that matters. I feel like, like, yeah, I, this Those actually goes, terrible odds. <laughs> this, this goes back to the Duplass thing where it's like, do you know how often I'll be like, Oh, 
I just had this idea of, you know, this is like super eight inside of a airport. Mm. And then you're like, yeah, I maybe see that or something like that. And then uh, I just think about it. I'm like, no, my favorite conversations. And that's sarcastic is when (laughs) you're like, I have this idea that's super eight in an airport. And then I'm like, okay, well, what about this, this, or this? Like, I just start poking holes in it. And you're like, you're right. It's a terrible idea. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, let's just talk. You're like, nope, I don't like it anymore. I'm done. <laughs> That's all it takes. I know. This is perfect because, yeah, if I have an idea and I'm thinking about something and you start trying to poke holes into it, and if I'm just like fighting to cover those holes, that means I'm like really into this idea. But if there's like some mm. pretty big things and I'm like, ah, yeah, she's right. This is stupid. So going into ideas. When it comes to like thinking about writing something, I kind of have two different things. When it comes to writing a spec, something that I'm like, okay, can is this something that I want to write with my reps? They know what I'm doing. I do look at it as like a broad, can this sell? Is this plausible? I'm not thinking of it as like, I'm going to write a $150 million movie. It's more so like I'm thinking of the logistics of, okay, if a producer or an actor, or if someone read this, will this be appealing to them? Mm -hmm. And I only say that because I used to not think about that stuff, but now I definitely 100% think about that stuff. What made you change your mind? Oh, I mean, just, you know, like when you write something and someone's like, okay, well, this could never be made, but yeah, it's a good script. And you're like, oh shit. Okay. Okay. That's, that's cool. But I do feel like when you start kind of dipping into like really big budget things like if i'm writing moonfall and i'm like all right they're going up to the moon and now there's a huge tidal wave that wipes out new york i just feel like that turns off people Mm -hmm. because there's only like a handful of ways this could be made you know what i mean so i do can i tell a quick story oh my god please i don't know if it's quick or not but (laughs) anyways so when i first came into the business i don't know if you remember one of my first specs was varisola of course. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Where the sidewalk ends ended up being one of the titles. We even like tried to get the rights to Shel Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Ends. And the basic story was this girl who uh, whose parents die and she goes into the underworld to try to bring them back. And so the whole journey took place in this very magical realism, surreal world that was the underworld. And I think a lot of people responded to it because it was very imaginative and it was rooted in something emotional, which was grief. and. Mm-hmm. Um, which apparently shows up a lot in my stuff. Anyways, it even made it to Disney. Like, I, biggest meeting of my career at the time. I met at Disney, and the executive loved it, but also said, can't do anything with it. And a big reason why was because I didn't think about budgets. I just thought about what I wanted to make and what was cool in that scene. And it would be a 100 to $250 million movie, the way that yeah. it was written. And here I was, like little Tasha, having one of my first generals at Disney, there's no way that they can trust that much money just in a business sense, uh, sense to yeah. to little Tasha. And it got me a lot of meetings. So I would say like, write it for that reason, write it what you right. love because it still opens doors, but understand that, that that's an uphill battle getting something that big made. Something smaller, much more realistic. That's all, small, tiny, cake goodbye. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's a, that's like, that's a great story because it, no, I mean that sincerely because it, it pertains like what's weird about it is a couple of years ago, I might've written a version of that where I'd be like, yeah, this is going to yeah. be a good budget and I don't care. But now 
she's a little more jaded. I've just, I've had one too many meetings with people telling me like a $20 million movie is too expensive. So I'm right. out. So basically the idea of that was like, when I, when I'm thinking about an idea, I honestly, I think about like, all right, well, what's like the big idea of this idea? What's the hook essentially? I hate to even say that, but yeah, like what's the hook? And I almost start thinking of like, what's the log line? What, like, what could it be? And then when I have that idea, I kind of start thinking about what are the comps? Like, what mm-hmm. am I thinking? And then I start going into, and this, this is kind of like a chicken and egg. Cause then I start thinking of like, okay, well, what, who are the characters? What kind of story do I want to tell? Sometimes it happens at the same time. Like for instance, I once had this script that I've talked about before where it's like, okay, what if this uptight father realizes that his daughter is a spy? Mm-hmm. That was a starting point. Mm-hmm. That was the seed of father daughter day. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little off track here, but those are, that's kind of like my starting point of just kind of putting down like, all right, well, I have this idea who are some of the characters? What kind of happens throughout this? What's the beginning, middle, and end? Like, And I always ask myself those questions. If I can see them very clearly, I get like really excited about the idea because it means like something's there. Mm-hmm. Beginning, middle, and end was like really hard, but very yeah. obviously like the most important for me. So that's kind of like, like the broader scope idea. When it comes to passion project, it's usually 100% character-based. I don't give a fuck about reps. I don't care about anything. It's like, I think I just need to tell this story and I don't care what happens with this script, which is something I was talking to you about like earlier where it's just like, this is like a little weird, but I kind of want to tell this story about X, Y, and Z. So yeah, that's where I'm at with my beginning of an idea. Yeah. I think we all kind of come up with ideas the same way, whether we're in the shower or like I said, the coffee shop in the car and something random happens. Definitely articles. I have a whole mill note that's just dedicated to cool articles for me. Like... I wish I was more organized, to be honest, and I advocate for organization, but I have documents that are just not well placed. Um, but I have a whole folder on my on my desktop that's just story ideas, and in there are folders upon folders, but a lot of documents that, and each document is usually one whole new idea. Uh, I won't usually combine that, like, just keep a running tab of, like, 10 different ideas on one document. I don't do that. That's too messy for me. And then the document just becomes like a stream of consciousness journal, essentially, where like you said, like I'm doing comps, like what do I want this movie to feel like? And what tonally, what is it like? And what is it? Where is the humor? It's it's this meets this. Okay, great. And then theme, of course, because I'm a theme girl is there's a lot of theme in there, which is just what do I want to talk about with this script? And that's usually where I do the Josh thing of like, I'm out, I'm done with this, is if I (laughs) can't figure out why I care about it enough. Like if it's just a concept, but I don't actually care about it and I can't even write to get myself to care about it, then that just like goes in the graveyard of ideas. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same, I guess we're, we're all kind of the same, but that's sadly how I just structure it. And then, like I said, I have a Milanote that each column is different. If you're familiar with Milanote, you essentially create uh, like a tab on a giant virtual whiteboard and the tab can be, articles that I find from history that could be really inspiring and all yeah. of that's there or um, action. And that's a whole thing. Um, and just different tabs there that can come in handy maybe as like little sequences within my movies or actually create full ideas. And it's just a crazy wall essentially yeah. that only I can, I can look at, but that's kind of how I organize my ideas or start with my ideas. I do the same thing, not on Milanote, but I do the same thing. And I'm the same way. Like, I'll just start jotting down certain things of why I care, what just random ideas. It's hard to explain, like little sentences here and there. 
when I do land on an idea, that's when I start going into, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of have a handle on the characters, the big picture. Then I start doing beats, like mm. the major beats. Okay, well, what's what's kind of like my inciting incident? What's my turning points? What's my second act look like? What is my midpoint look like? And what's the end? Mm-hmm. That's Those are like the moments that I go to personally. And then I start trying to fill in those blanks uh, in between all of those. And then you're just kind of putting the puzzle together. Yeah, I, this is the the one takeaway I think I took from film school was their structure mm-hmm. diagram that they give you, uh, which you promptly throw away because you want to be as like fluid as possible. But it becomes very helpful when you just have a, an idea and you have nothing else is OK. Yeah. What is inciting incident, second act, break, midpoint? Like if you can beat those out, then maybe you have some kind of structure um, but something you were saying reminded me of a note that I often get that a lot of writers I talk to often get, which is when you pitch your idea to either your writer's group or your reps or a producer, the producer might be like, yeah, that's a really interesting concept, but I feel like it's missing a beat. Mm-hmm. You know that note? What does that note mean? I feel like it's missing a hook. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I think I've I've gotten that note before. And when you say beat, it sounds less intimidating, but when you say like <laughs> it's missing a hook, you're like, oh fuck! Well, that's what the entire movie is. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like you, you there's ideas which we're gonna there, I'm gonna bring up an idea a little later in this, but like there's ideas that you have and you're like, oh, that makes sense, and this cool thing could happen, and then this cool, and this is kind of like what the the big hook of this story is, and then there's other ideas that are just kind of like flat. Mm-hmm. And like when you know, you know, it's hard to kind of fully explain, but mm-hmm. that's what I think going back to your initial question about um, it's missing, you know, this is a cool concept, but it's missing a beat. I feel like, oh, that's a cool concept, but I feel like it's just kind of missing the big. Yeah. Something larger in there. Is that what you think it means? Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's such a frustrating note because I feel like as the writer, you can see why what you just pitched is so fascinating and gripping and interesting. And you're like, trust me, if I just write it, it'll be great, which means it's an execution based idea. And that's just it's harder to sell that. And I I mean, that literally and figuratively it's just harder to to pitch it. It's harder um, for it to work, too, because you may execute it poorly. I actually got a job once that was so bonkers, my Alice in Wonderland idea, Uh that I was like, you guys just trust me. I will kill this. I will nail it. It's so in my head. I can see it clearly. And then I got into it and I was kind of wrong. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I, 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 it was 80% there, but it wasn't a hundred and they really needed at least 90 to a hundred for it to really make sense. Mm. By the way, just want to say another note that I just cannot stand is it's execution dependent. Yeah. Like, yeah, no kidding. It's all, it's all Everything is execution dependent. <laughs> but it's not. See, okay, so because you can write, and we do this all the time in Script Club, where we read a lot of scripts that have sold, specs that have sold, that the concept is super schnazzy and pitchable. It's fast and furious, but with race boats. And you're like, okay. You can write whatever the fuck you want, and that's still going to be Fast and Furious with with race boats. That shows you how much I know about speed boats. Yeah, <laughs> speed race boats. boats. I was going to let boats. it go, but yeah. <laughs> um, and you can write any version of that, and they're probably going to rewrite you and do what they want. But that concept sells itself, right? Yeah. Like, you don't need an extra hook on that. That just is what it is. Yeah. Recently, I saw a trailer called The Beast, or just Beast, with yeah. Idris Elba. Yeah. And Paul, Paul's working on that movie. Is he? Paul, our editor, slash my fiance. Well, 
All right. Well, that's a that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but what, what I was going to say is one of my favorite movies uh, when I was younger was called The Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah. Michael Douglas and. Yeah. And Val Kilmer. And Val Kilmer. But I remember as a, I haven't seen it in forever, but I just remember the concept being like, oh, shit, there's some killer lions out there. Yeah. And for some reason, I never thought about how to reboot The Ghost in the Darkness, which is something I inherently do to every film that I liked as a child. Like, Yeah. And so I don't know why, but then I watched the Beast trailer, which I thought was amazing. And I was like, this is the reboot to The Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah. And I'm mad I didn't think of it. My point being is like, if someone were to pitch that to me, it's like, oh, it's like Jaws, but with a lion. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking seeing it. It's in, where is it? I don't care. I'm seeing this movie. Yeah, this makes, you know exactly what that movie is. <laughs> ah, I'm so mad I didn't think of that. What other movies from your childhood <laughs> are so key that I also love? How have we known each other for like 12 years? And I don't know. I feel like you only hear me talk about Back to the Future, True Lies, mm-hmm. Bad Boys, and like The Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> but then every once in a while, I'll throw out, you know, a little obscure Patriot reference. Yes! <laughs> so that was one of my favorite days. <laughs> but so wait, you like The Ghost in the Darkness? I remember that very clearly. I, I can see the poster in my head. It was haunting and I had a crush on Val Kilmer because of Top Gun. And so that yeah. was very important to me. We all did. And it was an amazing movie. Remember when we were talking about ideas? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to I'm gonna get into kind of how I start brainstorming my ideas. So usually for me, the idea is almost always plot related or concept related. Just that, even though I'm not that kind of writer, that's just usually how ideas come to you. So like one, for instance, is like at Thanksgiving, a family gets trapped during an alien invasion and they start tearing each other apart to survive, putting the, to the test this notion that blood is thicker than water is like an idea that I have been playing with, oh. which I'm just going to go. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, it's, let's it's go. A dead, it's a dead idea. It's fine. Um, okay. So in in, a, in that concept, it's all concept, right? That you don't, there's no character stuff in there. It's just concept. But you can see the first act very clearly, right? It's an intro to the family as they start kind of converging at grandma's house for Thanksgiving. And I feel like I can write that. That's easy. And then the break in act two is very clearly going to be the the alien invasion that's messing up the status quo of these characters that we spent the whole first act getting to know. And then from that idea, I know that the process of act two is going to be that the family dynamics are going to start to break down. So maybe like people who on the Mm -hmm. surface supposedly love each other might actually betray each other, et cetera, et cetera. But how does that concept end? I have no idea. No idea because it's not in my original idea, which is just that shit happens to this family. So now is where the real brainstorming has to start and where you start to think about theme. And you're like, okay, I have this cool idea, but anyone could write that idea. All of you listeners could go write that idea and we would all come up with two different ideas. (laughs) However many listeners we have. (laughs) Four. Four different ideas. Okay. (laughs) But what about this idea is going to take it to the level where it's a Tasha movie? And that's yeah. when you kind of do some soul searching, right? It's like, okay, well, what do I want to talk about? 
when I say family, what does my version of family look like? Is my is my idea that, hey, no matter what, family strength will prevail? Or am I more like, eh, people are selfish regardless of family ties? Like, what is the subject matter I want to talk about? And then I can start figuring out where I'm ending my movie and then start to then lay in track in act two to get there. Yeah. And I do want to say that, as I mentioned, I have hundreds of ideas and I've only actually executed a handful of specs in my time. So this all sounds great when I like kind of pitch it this way, but I'm very bad at writing specs. It just takes me forever to figure out act two. And as I was prepping for this episode, I actually found a document in my story ideas folder from 2018 where past Tasha wrote a list of like big questions to ask myself when I'm at this stage that I can use as a tool to kind of help me through figuring out the story. I'm fucking in. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. So like number one was what is the problem of the world? What is the problem that the characters are trying to fix in my movie? Also, Mm -hmm. what is the problem of the character, which is going Mm -hmm. to be different than the problem of the world? Um, problem of the world in this version is the alien invasion problem of the character is I hate my dad and yeah. but we're both in danger. What is the conflict and how does the character solve that conflict? So if you have ask yourself that question, now you have to start digging into your character more. So all of these have kind of like sub work that you have to do underneath right. them. What is the passion driving my character? So not only what is their conflict, but what is their passion? What is the character's way of fixing the problem in the world. Yeah. Where is the most moral conflict in my story? And that's going to get me to figure out what the emotional crux is of everything and where the relatable bits of my movie are. Another one is what is the main character's point of view in this world? What do they believe about the world and about each other and about people? What is their point of view just generally? And then does the character choose the journey because something happens to them? Or does someone make the character choose the journey? So in the event of an alien invasion, I could still write that movie where my character is avoiding every action possible to get into this. Or does my character rush into action to try to save their family? That's something I have to now figure out. Mm -hmm. And then kind of finally the big one is why is this journey specific to my character? And that's one that my manager has started presenting to me that I really loved because it challenges you to understand why you are telling this particular story at this particular moment in your character's lives. And like, why are you setting it in an alien invasion? Couldn't you take that family story and set it during a snowstorm? It's like, no, I can't. This is why. And you have to figure that answer out. So those are the big nine questions that I should start asking myself because that was from 2018. No, I I love that. I think that's, those are really great questions. And your manager's question at the end about why is this journey specific to the character? I think that's like probably one of the most important questions. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's a really good question. Yeah, it's hard to write specs. It's so hard. How do you do it? Teach me your ways. So I'm going <laughs> to, I don't know. I, uh, I'm going to bring up a idea that I had. Never, nothing happened with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to, this is going to kind of tie together to some things that I said a little earlier. It was called Citizen's Arrest. Mm-hmm. It's in the vein of safe house, collateral, and night and day. Okay. And this was the like the working log line. Trying to impress his girlfriend, 
A man boldly makes a citizen's arrest, but realizes he arrested an on-the-run convict trying to prove her innocence by the end of the night. Mm. So she's trying to prove her innocence. Yeah. And he presumably is going to go on this journey to help her. Yes. And for some reason, he's trying to impress his girlfriend. I don't know why. I don't know why that was in the logline. I just read it as is. I remember writing this idea, and I almost moved forward with it. And the reason being is because I had just written Father Daughter Day. I was kind of in this like buddy two-hander action comedy territory. And to be honest, I was trying to figure out something that was like a broad appeal. Like, okay, what just kind of makes sense in my opinion? Like that's one of those log lines and ideas that just kind of falls flat because it's not that exciting. It's Mm. just kind of like, you know what you're going to get. Like, I feel like I could plug in the beats of that movie right now. But it's not the same as like the movie. What is that? The Ryan Reynolds movie? A Hitman's Bodyguard. I feel like that's, that's kind of a similar idea that you, okay, I can see that movie. But again, the execution and the casting makes that a really yeah. fun movie to watch. I will say, which for the record, this idea was pre-Hitman's Bodyguard. Just that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, um, I will say like there's something a lot cooler about like the title, The Hitman's Bodyguard. Like yeah. that just, there's something about that where you just already kind of know the conflict. And you're like, oh my God, like. Yeah. There's a bodyguard to a hitman? What's that all about? That's true. And that's kind of like the hook that we were talking about earlier where it's like, you just kind of get a little it's excited. so obvious. Anyone could write that. <laughs> yeah. It's so obvious. It's like broad but specific at the same yeah. time. Oh, genius. I'm so bad at those things. No, no, no. Those are like really, really hard to do. Yeah. I don't even know how to do it. But I see, okay, Citizen's Arrest. Imagine this poster with The Rock and Emily Blunt. Totally. Like he had, he, he's got her in cuffs and she looks like a mess. Like I'm in, I want to watch that movie. Oh, you would? I would watch that movie. (sighs) Well, it's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was in 2017, but I had, I had actually written an outline for it, like a pretty extensive outline. I vaguely remember talking about this. Yeah. Was my first note that it shouldn't be a girlfriend he's impressing because if you have a two-hander with a man and a woman, you're probably going to want them to have some kind of romantic tension. Yes, Tasha. That was actually. Okay. I was just checking. I did. I did. (laughs) I looked at the PDF and it was like, why is this a woman that he's impressing? Should be his dad or something or his mom. Is this idea back? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed (laughs) to you writing this. You can work out your relationship with your mom <laughs> in the oh, process God. of the script. My citizen's arrest is like him arresting his mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sequel to Don't Throw Mama Off the Train. <laughs> oh, man. That would be great. I bring this up because that was like, all right, what's like a big picture idea? And just kind of like writing yeah. that down. And then I don't think I could answer all the questions that you just listed off, your nine questions. Like No? Like you'd lose interest before you answered them or why? I think so. I think there was, I just wasn't excited. And I was like, you know what? There's something generic about this. I'm forcing this idea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, citizen's arrest might happen one day, but not right now. In two weeks, we're going to see an outline mm-hmm. in our email boxes for writers group. Hey guys, uh, by the way, new old idea. <laughs> Let's crack it right here in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we could. I mean. Oh, it's so tempting. It is very tempting. One of these days, that's what we should do on an episode is just bring in an idea and then just break it. I think that it that I don't think that is one of our ideas. We are going to do that. Yeah, we are. Stay tuned for the idea yeah. breakdown. It's going to be great. One last question, because yeah. this happens to every writer where you have an idea that you really love. 
yeah. that is shot down by your reps. Oh, yes. Can you bring up one example of that and just go into a little bit of detail? I have one as well that was that's heartbreaking. One? Yeah, I can just, give you... I know. Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've said this before on the podcast. My manager, who I go to with my ideas, he is... I mean, he's not very specific, but he's very... He's open-minded to everything, but he he will poke holes into everything. And I love that about him. I've come to him with a lot of ideas and he'll off the bat be like, you know, no, I don't like this. Here's why. And then he'll always be like, you can go ahead and write it. I'm just letting you know, I think there's like some problems here. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of up to the writer to trust that or to do it. So if I can think of one, you go with your specific example and then I'm going to, I want to figure out mine. So I had what I thought was a fantastic idea. It came from playing a video game and the opening of the video game really inspired me as an opening image for a movie. And the movie was going to be very different from the video game, uh, but it followed similar to actually to your citizen's arrest. Um, It was a CCTV movie shot entirely through CCTV about a woman who was trying to prove her innocence. I remember. I love this idea. I still love it and I still want to crack it, but my manager poked so many holes in it of logic and practicality of shooting it of people not wanting to watch a movie that's all in cctv how do you tell that story how do you tell that story emotionally and started casting so much doubt on the execution of this potential idea that Mm -hmm. i got so exhausted i lost all energy to even write it I think I lost track and trying to answer her questions, I ended up losing track of why I loved it. Yeah. And I think I secretly wanted to do what you have done before, which is just write your passion project and not tell them. And I still will likely do that. Yeah. But that's an example of um, how idea to conception can get tough if you're running it through your rep. Yes. I'm trying to think of, so like, what's, what's, what's the, the plan there? Like when you do that, like, do you just keep pushing back? And you're like, no, I really, really like this idea. Maybe it does. You just have to kind of get your manager out of your head and then just do it. I think her problem was I I respect that you want to do this and I think you should do this. I think it's really cool and I want you to crack it. She still says that to this day. Every now and again, she'll just be like, remember that CCTV idea? I wish you cracked that. Like, yeah, I do too. Um, but her thing was always, it always came back to what is this movie about? I'm like, it's about her proving her innocence. She's like, okay, that's a thing. Like that's a thing that she's after. That's not what the movie is about. Why is this movie important? And why now? Why are you like, where is the emotion? All those nine questions I mentioned, where are all those things? And I just don't think at the time I had a clear answer. And my response to her was when I write it, I'll figure it out. And she's like, no. And we've, we've talked about this a lot because there are a lot of writers who do not advocate what my manager preaches, which is a very manager non-writer thing to preach, which is, no, you do not figure it out in the writing. You figure it out first. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck in the writing process. But a lot of writers don't function that way. A lot of yeah. writers find the story in the writing of it. And I think this happens to be one of those where that may be the case. Who knows? I'll give no. it a shot and let you all know. I, I just found an idea that was just shot down without like much explanation. And I, I kind of get it now, but at the same time, I really, really loved it. Yeah. It was called Project Mogul. Great name. And it's about two struggling farmers in 1947 who retrieve a crashed weather balloon in Roswell, New Mexico. And they stumble upon a secret government program, which leaves them with an ultimatum. 
create a public hoax to hide the truth or die at the hands of the CIA. Whoa. It was supposed to be the origin story of Roswell. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like the Roswell myth. And like they faked. The idea was that they ended up faking aliens because there was something like more nefarious going on. Ooh. Yeah. And I remember at the time, just because I love aliens, I was like, I love this idea. Like these two struggling guys, like trying to figure it out. You know, I love those stories. Yeah. Two people trying to figure it out. I just remember I got like just a no. I just looked at my notes on it. No. <laughs> no just no. caps. A no. Nope. I was like, oh, all right, cool. I don't even remember why. Was it because it was set in the 1940s? And I mean, why? Yeah, why? I don't know. Maybe we'll get Jay-Z back on the podcast and I'll... Uh, it is part of the plan. Yeah. Old nose. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'll, do, you'll do your manager. I'll bring in 1L, my manager, and uh, we'll we'll just go through ideas. <laughs> oh, yes or no? Yes or no? Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why don't you like this? Why? I think it could be great. Does this end in tears? Does this end in breakups? What do you think that this, this episode will end in? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's it. That's what I have to say about idea to conception. That's just how I think about them. That's how I organize them. When I'm not doing the projects I'm on now, I'll write a spec and I can't wait to do that again. Super yeah. yacht. Super yacht. I'm going to stay on you for, I mean, whether it's what we're working on or not, a, a Tasha spec. Because it's so liberating to write a spec. It is so, it's like your thing. No one is telling you what to do. No one is telling you what format or what what book you need to follow. There's nothing. It's like, here's a clean slate. Sounds amazing. That's that's what I love about specs. I mean, I, I that's yeah. personally speaking. But My goal is to, to finish one by the end of the year. It's going to happen. I got time. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Josh, to add about ideas to conception? No, I don't think so. Quote of the day. Quote of the day. An idea that is not dangerous is unworthy of being an idea at all. Oscar Wilde. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Josh Holman on Instagram, Joshua Holman on Twitter. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.